welcome to the Ladies Kicking Ass podcast, where we raise our voices and honor the badass achievements of women in the service industry. Get ready for empowering conversations, inspiring stories, and a whole lot of ass-kicking energy. Join us as we redefine what it means to be bold, fearless, and unapologetically Y-O-U, babe. This is your platform, your community, and your source of inspiration. So buckle up, get ready to rock and roll, and let's show this world just how much we can accomplish. Welcome to the Ladies Kicking Ass Podcast. Welcome back to Ladies Kicking Ass. I'm so excited for you guys to be here and be able to meet one of my new friends, Megan Tobler. She is with us today. She is the podcast host of the Self Starter Podcast, which is such a cool name. And I'm looking at her now and I can see that she has this cool neon in the back. And I was just thinking, damn, I need one of those on my back wall back. <laughs> That's so awesome. I love it. Um, Everybody needs a neon in their office. I think that just makes it more fun. But um, Megan is a trailblazer for women entrepreneurs. She comes from a corporate sales background, and now she's curating her own community for women entrepreneurs. And I'm going to let her tell you all about that stuff and how she's made that transition. So Megan, welcome to the show today. Give us a little bit of your background and tell us about yourself. Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me on the show, Tanya. This is like such a, a blessing. I mean, you and I were talking about this right before we hit record, but we have very similar platforms and similar missions. So being able mm -hmm. to talk with someone that shares like the same values and gets excited about the same things just completely lights me up. So thank you for having me on um, for starters. But but yeah, my background, uh, as you mentioned, I come from the corporate sales background. But even before that, I initially got my start into adulthood, I guess I would say, in the entertainment industry. And I was working on film and production or film and TV production sets, working really long hours every single day. And I absolutely loved what I did, but I started looking at women at the very top. And I started looking at what their lives looked like. And their life was their work. And I knew that I wanted mm -hmm. to also be a mom one day. And I wanted to have it all. I believed that I could have it all. So I really had to take a step back and look at, okay, this is something I enjoy. What do I enjoy about it? And what can I change about this to be able to make sure that it's a little bit more conducive to what I want in the future? So I had what I called like a early midlife crisis because I thought that everything that I had planned for was no longer going to happen anymore. And I, um, like I said, I, I took a step back trying to figure out what I was going to do, and I evaluated what it was that I wanted to do moving forward, and I really wanted to help people. I loved having conversations, so naturally, I just got into sales. Uh, my dad was mm -hmm. a longtime sales professional as well, so it just felt like a really natural um, uh, transition into the next stage of my life and my career, and what happened is I spent almost the next decade in sales. And I was thriving. I was able to make a really great income for myself. I was able to buy property. Um, I was able to travel. I, I had basically everything that I had always envisioned for myself. But I also realized that I wasn't fulfilled. There was something that was missing. And my life was really consumed around my job. And again, um, I wanted to be a mom one day. And I just didn't know how I could do both. So there was always something in me that was craving more. I wanted more time, more freedom, more creativity in my day-to-day, -day, and also the ability to make an impact. So um, I really, again, had to just 
take a step back and really understand, okay, how do I get that? And I had always always had that entrepreneurial like itch, but I didn't know where to start. Um, and I, I mean, we can definitely dive a little bit more into this as well. But um, I let the big picture of everything stop me from ever taking the steps forward to be able to kind of create the life that I really wanted to live. Um, and it really wasn't until I was faced with my first layoff in 2020 during the pandemic that my wheels started turning, thinking about, okay, I need to really make sure that I control my life rather than my life controlling me at this point. And um, I then let corporate reel me back in because I was really into the idea of the stable paycheck, the 401k, the benefits and everything like that. And I was terrified to take that step of my own. So I got back into corporate, was dabbling in there for a couple more years. And then I finally had enough. I was seeing the same frustrations in my corporate job day after day. Mm -hmm. And I decided that um, it was time for me to really take control of my life again. So that's when I decided to start the Self-Starter Podcast, and it started out as the first step in my journey. Instead of looking at the very big picture, it was like, what's just that one thing that I can do today that I know that I'm going to love to do, and I'm going to consistently show up for day after day? And it was the podcast. Um, and then I decided that started in October of 2022. Um, today, it is uh, August of 2023, so it's almost been a full year but in January of this year, I made the decision that I was going to leave my corporate job within six months and go all in on all my business. Um, I hired a business coach and we were going to make this happen. And then I found out I was pregnant. So I got what I wanted. I was going to be a mom. And then I decided, oh, you know what? I, I still want to go this route, but maybe let's slow it down a little bit because that's a lot to do when you're expecting a child. I still want to collect my maternity leave. But so I kind of in my, in my head, reprogrammed what I was going to be doing. But you know what? The universe didn't get the little reprogramming here because in March, I was laid off from my corporate job while pregnant. And I had the opportunity to either decide, do I want to go back and get another corporate job? Or do I want to take this as a sign that it's my time to go all in? So today I have gone all in on self-starter and that's just where I'm at today. Ugh. That is such an, like, it gave me chills when you said that, because I think that so often, many times things that fall apart, we think, why is this happening to me? And we really have to rephrase that question as to like, why is this happening for me? Like that was something that was on your head and heart that you really wanted to do. And sometimes that gentle nudge, be it a layoff or a firing or downsizing or whatever ends up happening to people is just what they needed to have the confidence to do that. So I love hearing those stories. I completely agree. You said it beautifully. And that's exactly how I talk about it. I, I truly believe that life doesn't happen to you. It happens for you. And it's all about how you look at it. And I will be honest with you when when I got laid off the second time, I had a moment of panic because I was thinking, oh my goodness, what am I going to do about benefits? I lost my income. I have a baby on the way. And I actually spent the next two weeks after my layoff having, I had 40 different interviews back to back. I mean, I was working harder in those two weeks than I probably had worked almost all year, to be honest with you, in my sales profession. And I was having these conversations and I was, every single one, I realized I didn't want to be there. And it was just that voice that was saying, Megan, you're not, this isn't where you're supposed to be. You're supposed to go all in. So I, I decided I'm, I'm not going to interview anymore. And this is it. This is my time. 
That's so awesome. So you've gone all in. Tell us about self-starter. What is self-starter? Well, self-starter is all about taking messy action. So I will be the first one to tell you that I do not have it all figured out. But self-starter started with just taking that first action step. And like I said, it started as a podcast. And um, as I mentioned, when we first started talking, it's very similar to your mission. I mean, it started Mm -hmm. as a way almost selfishly to be able to learn from other women who had taken the leap out of corporate to be able to step into a life that they had always dreamed of. And they really started their own entrepreneurial endeavors. So the podcast in itself is focused on sharing these stories from these women that took that leap already. It's talking about highlighting their journey, like where they came from, what they've learned along the way, their triumphs, their challenges, highlighting their business, and really just making sure that other women know what's possible if they just take the, if they just decide to bet on themselves. Um, and I think yeah. that is, is really powerful. So it started a little bit selfishly because I wanted to learn from, from other women. Um, but I think yeah. it turns to be not selfish is the fact that I'm sharing it with others. So I'm really created this true community of, of women that are aspiring and current entrepreneurs who have come together to be able to really lift each other up rather than tear each other down. And I think the world needs mm-hmm. a lot more of that. So that's kind of where it started. Um, really right now in development is its own community. So we're working on building out the self-starter community and also on the back end, um, building out courses. Because as I mentioned, um, my goal is to have it all. I want to be a mom and I also want to uh, be able to provide an income for my family. But I also realize the season of life that I'm in is not conducive to exchanging a lot of my time for money. So I'm really working on things that are allowing me to be able to pull in an income on the back end, doing things that maybe while I'm, while baby's napping that I can, I can just plug in um, every now and then to be able to figure out this, this new life that I'm creating. Absolutely. And as a mother already, you definitely need that creative time and those little breaks still just for you for those things. And that being able to build those courses and build that membership and show up and do the podcast are going to be a beautiful way for you to be able to do that. But it's on your own time schedule and not someone else's. So I think you've made an excellent choice with being able to do both of those things. I think that's really awesome. Trying to. I mean, I get tons of inspiration from women like you who have already done things like this. I mean, you have five kiddos of your own that you are that you're juggling it as well as entrepreneurship. So I personally just get so inspired being able to connect um, with women that have already that are like multiple steps ahead of me. So thank sure. you for allowing me to to be in your network here. Oh, gosh, it's a pleasure to have you in this network. And I am super excited to be able to support Self Starter as well, because I also feel like there's a lot of conversation. And I want to go into this with you about like, you talk about collaboration and community over competition. We talked about that last time we talked. And I wrote that on a post-it note, and it's still sticking to my my desk over here and I keep looking at that and I'm like that would just be I mean that's just a beautiful like mastermind or something with that anyways it's just bringing these women together and collaborating with each other even though you're in similar industries because you're in similar industries um you can come together and 
just feed off of each other. Sometimes you're so much in it that you don't see the potential that maybe your community or things have with that. So what are you hoping for people to be able to get out of your community? Is it relationships? Is it, are you going to be teaching them things? What are, What is your game plan with that? It's a really great question. So it's currently in development. I'm doing a lot of market research right now, really making sure that I'm creating something that the people want. The idea behind Mm -hmm. it, though, is exactly what you're talking about. It is collaboration over competition. It's creating the safe space for women to be able to come together to network and to really grow, um, grow together, really to link arms. So obviously there's a networking component to it, a membership directory, because I think especially as you're starting out as an entrepreneur, um, you don't always know where to go to be able to access all of these resources. So really making sure yes. that it's really clear that you have um, direct contact and um, understand mm-hmm. like where to go when you need certain certain things in your business. Um, and yes. then that, um, obviously trainings. So, um, I I'm bringing in a lot of wonderful established people like yourself onto the podcast, um, to be able to teach people in, in the free version, obviously from, from the podcast platform, but I'd also like to take it a step further and really to help promote these women that are taking their time to go on the podcast and really feature their services in more detail. So really being able to have mm-hmm. them come in and do a, a specialized training on the topic that they are an expert in to be able to help these entrepreneurs um, in, in any specific topic. So we'll do these different trainings. And then I'm, I also envision like a beta testing type of component to their programs. So I think especially as entrepreneurs, um, you have all of these ideas and you're really working to create your your service options. And, and some people yeah. have some product-based businesses as well, but you don't know what's going to really be effective. Um, and you really need the space to be able to test it out. So I really view this as a, as a place where it's a built-in beta testing program, where everyone's able to exchange these ideas and practices together to be able to make sure that then way, when they do launch it, that they know it's effective and that it's something that people are actually going to want and to crave. Yes, because a lot of times when people are creating things online, it can be a lonely situation that you're working on and you're like, I find somebody that maybe can go through this course or check out my membership and see if it's something that they would want to be a part of. So having that community is really, really cool to be able to do that stuff. Just building a community through doing the podcast. I second that with you. My big thing was like, I love the the podcast where it's almost like you're a fly on the wall listening to two girlfriends have a conversation. Like, I don't like the highly edited ones and things that are, you know, all over the place stuff. I like just hearing like how the conversations go naturally and what people are interested in. And it's so interesting how you can find people that you're like, oh my gosh, they're just like me from just having real honest conversations. So membership components and podcasting is such a cool way to be able to build a community for yourself. If you're listening to this and you're like, shit, I need a community. I don't know where I'm at. You know, if you join communities, learn from them, and then tailor it into something that you want to build too, so that you can have that um, creativity to build something if that's on your heart and something that you want to do as a service. Because I really think building a community is all about service. You know, Mm -hmm. what can I give to help these people? And in return, you always end up gaining way more than you ever give. But with that giving mentality, it just really makes a genuine community. Do you agree with that? I completely agree with that. And to your point about just community in general, I think that when you decide to become an entrepreneur, 
um, you could either have, there's really two different ways about going, going about this. It could actually be a really lonely path where you're isolated and you're completely figuring this out alone, or you can choose to like what we were talking about before, really linking arms with other people. And personally, I have found so much fulfillment and so much joy from being able to start this podcast because it's attracted me to so many incredible people that I actually feel so much less lonely than when I actually did in the corporate world where I had a built-in teammates because I've been able to find the community that actually fits with my values and my passions and people yeah. and really surrounding myself with like-minded people that are wanting to grow. So I personally think that um, there's tons of communities out there and I think that it's in your benefit to join as many communities as you want, because it's an opportunity to find your people. Absolutely. And especially if you are on the trajectory of wanting to become an entrepreneur, you're well into it and you're seasoned, you've been 15 years into this, 20 years into this, get into those communities. You can give back to some of them and you get so much from a different community that you're a part of. Don't just alienate yourself with like, I, I always think about it, like you have one group of friends and you have your little clique, or you have several different groups of friends that you do different things with. And I think that different communities feeds different aspects of your soul and the things that you need for your business. There's different resources in different places. And that's why I loved and wanted to team up with you and do this podcast, because I love the similarities that we have and the similarities in our mission, but it's too going to be two different communities because there's two different sets of people inside of these communities. And I want people to know that that collaboration can make really cool things. Like I could totally envision us having like a retreat or having an event that we co-host these things together and we do cool things together because we do have the similarities, but it's bringing things in front of two completely different audiences. So I'm excited to see what comes out of Self Start Her and being part of that Thank community you. mission with you. Um, I am very interested in having a conversation with you because a lot of the women that we have in this that in this ladies kick and ass community and people that listen to the podcast are service based entrepreneurs. So the difference between that that I look at is I don't have a tangible product that I'm selling. Like I can say like, oh, I have a sugar scrub. Mm, it smells good. Smell it. And people can see it and do that um, versus a service that is an intangible thing. You're going to do something for them. And many times in the service industry, in all the years that I've been an entrepreneur and having my septic business, my junk removal company, all of these businesses I've worked in. Women tend to have a very tough time with embracing sales. Um, I've had a hard time with people embracing the training around sales that we have given to people, which I know then I need to work on that too. Um, for me, a big part of that is the confidence in being able to ask for the sale, educating people on the service to get a sale. What can you talk to us about as far as your perspective of women and the mindset around sales where they feel like sales is icky or I feel bad because I'm asking people for money? What's your attitude around that whole thought process? Yeah, I will say that I think that sales has definitely got a bad rap because, I mean, when you think of sales, you think of that slimy used car salesman, you know, that's mm -hmm. like the, the image that's been painted in our minds. But sales is actually really beautiful because you're helping people. So I always like to think about selling 
it, or it's it's really helping is greater than selling. And that's kind of how you have to go about the whole experience in itself in order to really feel good about what you're doing. And personally, I, in this corporate sales world, was never able to sell something that I didn't believe in because it was I, I truly needed to go into those conversations understanding that I was having a conversation with someone that I was going to help them um, have a transformation of some sort. And I think that with service-based providers, there's there's no physical product here, like you said, but you created something for a reason. You clearly wanted, you, you sought out a need. You, you saw that there was um, a, a desire in the marketplace for this. So if you believe it, that means someone else does too. Sometimes though, I think it's really focusing on providing that value and really making sure that the the value is so strong that that ask, when you ask for the sale, it's just a resounding, how do I get started from the other person? Because you've provided so much value already. It's a no brainer that they want to get started with you. So, I mean, there's, there's so many different ways we can take this conversation, um, but it's, it's really all about how you're looking at it and selling. If you're just looking at it as an exchange of money, then yeah, it's going to be extremely difficult. But if you can really think about it as how am I going to help transform this person's life where there's clearly a need, then that makes it so much better. Yes. Exchange of energy versus exchange of money is a way I like to look at that. Like, Mm -hmm. what are they going to benefit from this? When I'm trying to sell a service, my thought process, I have educated you. I've talked you through stuff. I'm confident in the service that I have. And so it's so simple for me to be able to say, when can we put you on the schedule? Mm -hmm. Where if people don't have the confidence in it, like you said, not believing in the product, it is a very difficult thing for people to be able to get around because you are going to come off of like, please give me your money. I wouldn't really spend this, but this is what I'm told to tell you, you know, we've all run into people like that. So um, I just wanted to touch on that for a few minutes because I know that people struggle with that so much in this industry of like, how, how do I, well, I wouldn't spend that money. What is your I'd love to hear your opinion around something like that, because we often have that. I have high ticket sales things. We do like massive construction stuff. And for some people to come into the office and to send out estimates for, you know, 30, 40, $70,000 jobs, people are like, oh, it's so expensive. They call back and they didn't like the price. And I told them that I understood that they didn't like the price. And you're like, (laughs) why did you say that? But it's a mindset around money. How much do you think um, your personal mindset around money has to do with how effective you are at doing sales? Oh, it's huge. I I, I think there's a huge component to it. Um, I think that um, there's a lot of women, especially that undervalue themselves and what they can actually charge. So I think there's a lot of mm-hmm. people out there that are actually pretty much giving away way too much for a discount. So personally, I've always been told like, in sales, when you present your pricing, I mean, obviously you want to make sure that it's market competitive, that it's fair pricing sure. and that the value's there. But I think a lot of people get scared to, to talk about the pricing. They're like, oh, they, mm-hmm. they already think about like, this is, this is going to be too much. Um, no one's going to buy this. I, I just don't, I don't know. I don't even know if I would pay this kind of money. But the reality is, is people out there will spend money and you're going to be for some people and you're not going to be for others. And that's okay. Yes. 
um, I think that's just really good to understand right off the off the gate is that you aren't going to be everyone's cup of tea and that's okay. But when you do talk about your pricing, if the value is there and that um, it's the right fit with the customer, then when you do talk about your pricing, you confidently tell them what the pricing is. And then I'm sorry, but then you shut up. You don't justify anything. You just say, my service is, or my charge is X, and then stop talking. Because if you don't continue, you're going to talk them out of it as to why they shouldn't buy your product or service. And I see that happen so much in the service industry. So it's going to be $10,000, but this is, and they just like, they literally are explaining everything. To me, it's like very similar to like, no is a complete sentence. Like you don't need an excuse afterwards why they have to buy or why you can't do something, you know, just present it and be confident in the value that you provide in the sale and see the difference that that really makes. So I love to reframe what sales means to females, because like you just said too, I feel like we highly underestimate what our value is. Mm -hmm. We're like, well, I don't know if like, how many men do you ever hear say shit like that? Never. Like never. They're like, um, I'm going to say $10,000. And if he tries to get me to come down, I'm going to tell him 12, you know, (laughs) like that's the Mm -hmm. attitude with stuff. And with women, it's like, Ooh, that's a little expensive. You know what? Let me give you a discount. You know, instead of trying to have a conversation about the product, it instant goes to discount. What do you think about that? I think that you should never go instantly to, to offering a discount. I think that's an opportunity. Mm -hmm. If someone is a little bit skeptical or hesitant about the price to, to understand, to seek to be like, okay, what is it about this? Like, I'm sensing a little bit of hesitation here. Like, what is it about it that is is causing this feeling for you? And it's more of an opportunity yeah. for you, even if they're not the right fit for you to understand the different buyers that are out there. And so you can obviously tailor your messaging in the future to really better make sure you're having more qualified calls from the get-go. Because if the calls mm-hmm. are qualified from the get-go, you probably won't be in this position as much where people are cringing when you're talking about the price. Yes. What do you think, what are a couple of tips that you would give to people that have a service-based business to help them close more sales? Well, I think it first starts with understanding your, your buyer and your customer, really making sure that you know what the problem is that they have and how you can solve it for one um, and getting really, really clear on that individual. Um, And then also, um, like I mentioned before, it comes down to qualification. When you get on the phone with a lot of these people, if they are not the right fit for your business, you're going to have a lot of unsuccessful calls that do not result in you moving forward with the sale. So really making sure that you have a qualification process to really make sure that is this the right type of person for my service? Can I really help provide them a transformation? Um, and like, what what is that transformation that they're looking for? Like, if you have some sort of qualification process before even hopping on that call, that'll really help you. Um, and then I think it's just about obvious, honestly being authentic and providing that value um, for for everyone across the board because people work with you because they like you. As we were talking about earlier, um, there Mm -hmm. are a ton of people that are all doing very similar things that are out there, but no one does it quite like you can. So if 
I mean, just like listening to podcasts, we were talking about this before we hit record. Um, you and I have very similar missions and there's opportunity for our listeners to be able to listen to different podcasts. But um, at the end of the day, someone's going to potentially resonate with one of your guests that you bring on and potentially want to work yeah. with them because they are in a certain life stage that resonates with where that person's at as well. So I think it's just being authentic, showing up as yourself, providing that value, making sure that you understand who it is that you can really help um, uh, have with a transformation. And then also, like I said, making sure that it, there's this qualification process um, to, to everything as well. Yes. If you keep trying and attracting, I think something too with women that has to do with sales, especially if you're do, like online and you're doing online sales with stuff, it's almost like, let me see how I can make you qualified versus just listening to what it is that they're telling you. Mm -hmm. Because oftentimes in sales, you can really see the decline in things when there's desperation coming out that you actually need the sale. Oh, definitely. I think I think when everyone goes into a conversation, it should never about be about you. It should always be about them. And you yes. like if you are putting your agenda onto that conversation, you are probably going to be setting yourself up for failure. Um mm -hmm. just because like they might not need exactly what you have to what you have to offer. Um and it's just going to be a really cringy conversation. And um I can. I, I recently was on a, a call just to, to give an example of something that did not go well. Um, I was on a call with um, a woman who was trying to sell me her coaching services. And I will say she provided me insane value for an hour. And then after the hour, she was looking to sell me her service. And um, if I was in a different point in my life, then maybe I would have moved forward with it. But I was, I mean, with having a baby and things like that. I just couldn't, I personally couldn't justify like the sale at this point in time. And it wasn't a no, but it was a not right now. But it, the conversation then became a little bit icky because I could tell she was desperate for the sale. She, I, I said like, I'm not financially in a place to be able to move forward with this. I'm about to bring on a baby. And I gave her all the reasons and I was very transparent with what, where I was at. But then sure. she decided to take it to uh, my husband, essentially, and say, okay, um, if if it's a money thing, then why don't we get your husband on the call and, <gasps> and see, and we can have this conversation together and we can walk through, um, make sure that he sees the value here. And it, and it was, it was like, okay, well, I said no to that. And then um, the second part was the fact that, okay, well, if, if we're not going to get him on the call, then what does he really care about? So that way I can really package like a video for you and you can present that to him too. And it was one of those things where sometimes you really need to listen more than you speak and, and meet people where you're at. Because just because you're getting a no today doesn't mean that it's going to be a no in the future. So nurture sure. that relationship instead of push the sale on you. And again, make it about them. Understand what their needs are. And then again, like I said, meet them where they're at, because again, it might be a no today, but it doesn't mean it'll be a no in the future. Yes. Oh, that is such good insight to stuff because so many times, I mean, it's like 
there's a stat that's like, it takes seven to nine touch points for someone to purchase something from you. How many times have we all followed people? We were talking about Marie Forleo before we jumped on here too. And like, how long have we been following people for so long before you actually purchase something from them? Marie gives out so much free content. I mean, it's been Marie TV and her podcast and all these things for so very long. Then she came out with a book and I was like, absolutely, I'm buying this book. You know, if I was in a different season in my business with things too, I know her uh, B-School just came out too and a friend of mine is taking that. I was like, oh, I was ready to buy that from her too. The timing didn't really work out this time. So I'm looking forward to being able to do that in the future. I want to take that. If for anything, just to be part of the community of the women that are in there and to get different insights of things. I've been following her for years. She doesn't know who I am. She has no idea who I am. So you never know who you are touching and affecting and, you know, really helping through Mm -hmm. the value that you're bringing to people. And that can be as simple as social media, these podcasts that we're doing, you know, for a long time, unless you're selling your own stuff, you're not making any money off of having a podcast. It's something that you're doing to provide value to build something else. Or as we talk about, an outlet for us to be able to get information and build a community of incredible women. So really nurturing those relationships are so cool. Well, it's interesting too. I was just at a networking event the other week and I'm probably going to butcher the number here by a few a few digits. But uh, I learned that there's actually, it used to be about seven to nine different touch points before someone was really ready to buy. But now that number, I mean, because there's so much content out there, it's really up to, I believe it was either 21 or 27 different touch points that you really need to have before someone will likely move forward with your services. So it just shows Mm -hmm. you that it's okay. Like if you get that, no, like, first of all, you probably don't want to ask right away until you really made sure to, to build that value and built like nurture that relationship a little bit. But yes. just understand it is a process. Like, don't be hard on yourself when things don't happen overnight. In fact, I mean, I think one of the best exercises that women can do is practice getting those no's. I mean, go yes. go out to the store and ask, like, at, I mean, at the uh, maybe go to your, your favorite clothing store. And as you go up to, to check out, knowing that they're going to say no, ask for a discount. Just ask random questions, trying to get those no's because you're going to get so um, well acquainted and like comfortable with those no's that when you get those no's in your business, you'll just be able to brush it off. And that way, when you get the yes, eventually, because all those no's will lead to a yes, that yes will feel so good. All of those no's will be worth it. Oh, that's great advice. I was just thinking about when you were talking about that. Sometimes my husband, he's very good at negotiating stuff. But he'll be like, I'm going to go ask them. I'm going to go tell them or I'm going to go ask them about. And I'm like, oh, don't do. No, I don't like so many women are like, no, I'll just, you know, I'll just even if it's like missing buttons, something's wrong with it. You know, you're like, it's okay. I can fix it later. Blah, blah, blah. You know, like we're so scared of the ask of stuff. And I can't tell you how many times I'm like, you, you, you pulled it off. Like something that you think is something that's never going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> and it was just a matter of asking. It's not like he is, you know, like he's good at having conversations with people. He's good at reading people. He's good at making the relationships with people. And it's about them. It's not about him. 
Exactly. And that is a beautiful thing to be able to watch people. So if you have people like that in your life, observe them. Mm-hmm. Before I'd kind of cringe when he would do that. And now like I'm in awe every time I'm like, let's see if this actually works. And it does. And it's so it totally incredible. Does. Yeah. Even when you have like customers that you have to deal with sometimes that maybe aren't so pleasant, we definitely get some of those in my septic business. And now it's like a big joke inside of our company. We're like, that's for Jake. That's my husband. Like that's for Jake because he's so good at like turning it around and talking people off this ledge where like a lot of times I know that's not my strong point that I'm like, I'm in tears or I'm really mad, (laughs) you know? Um, because it's a very personal thing to me that he can remove himself from the situation, listen to them, and then articulate it in a way that is about them. That is so incredible. So if you have that in your life, really watch those people because it does help reframe your mind around what it means to provide value service and, and to get those sales. Definitely. No, we all need a Jake in our life. That's for sure. <laughs> It is impressive. So talking about sales, even going on to, and this is a big thing with community too. So it kind of ties them both together here. Like the relationships that you build after repeat business or referrals from people, especially in the service industries, like what is your biggest advice for nurturing an ongoing relationship so that people will come back to you to buy again? Ooh, that's a good one. Um, so in this in the corporate world, I will I will be honest with you that my the my expertise was on the pre-sale side. So it was really I was focused on bringing in the business, developing the relationships at the very beginning, and then being able to to sell them. And then I handed it over to our customer success team. So in the corporate world, that was something that I actually didn't have to nurture. But now that I'm in the, well, but I will say that I still kept in contact with a lot of those people because it came down to relationships. Um, And Mm -hmm. I I think this all comes down to what we were talking about before. It's like making it about them versus making it about you. And I think that naturally, especially in service-based businesses, you're naturally going to build these relationships. You're naturally going to be able to connect with these people on um, a regular basis and develop meaningful connections and relationships here. So I think um, to your point, you mentioned the word referral. Um, I think that if you've provided the value and someone, if one of your clients has had a really transformative experience, you have earned the right to ask for a referral. And I think that going back to what we were saying before too, like some people are a little bit afraid to ask these questions, but referrals are really the easiest way that you can get new business because people, I mean, Think about if you've bought just a, a new a new lip gloss that you've really liked that has been, it's really moisturizing. It's the perfect color for your skin. Um, it's like super environmentally friendly. Like you're, you're loving this new lipstick of yours. You're going to tell your girlfriend that, oh my gosh, I just got this most amazing lipstick. Same thing with a service-based business. If that person, if that person loves what you just provided, people are going to naturally talk about it. So it doesn't hurt to just put it out there saying like, hey, you've had this great experience. Do you mind, do you know anyone else that could really benefit from something like this as well? And I think just putting it out there is is really something that, I mean, there's no harm, no foul, right? Yeah. What's the worst they're going to say? No, I don't really know anyone. Okay, great. But at least you asked. 
It is like the easiest and best way to build your business is to ask for referrals from people. And if they have had that good experience that you're talking about, they want to tell other people about your service. This is something, especially in the home service sector, even if like your friend says, oh my gosh, I had these guys over to build my pool. Look how pretty my pool is. I did a great job. You know, they did a great job. They're still going to research people. And the higher your ticket price is, the more research people are going to go into it and making sure that this is going to be a good fit. So having those great experiences, how are you, how are you going to build that reputation that you need to get more sales if you're not asking for referrals or for a review or for things like that. Like you've earned the right to do that if you are giving transformative services to people. Well, so and that's ask. what I was going to say too. Oh, sorry about that. Yeah, that's what I was going right. to say too, is you mentioned um, reviews. Um, if someone's naturally just telling you what a transformative experience you've provided them, that's an opportunity for you to say like, if you, thank you so much for saying that. Do you actually mind writing a review for myself? Like I'd love to, if with your permission, I'd love to put that on my website because people, people check this out. They're looking for your credibility. And if someone's already sure. telling you that they've loved working with you, ask them to ask them to put it in writing mm -hmm. or do a video. Yeah. That's even more powerful these days. Yes. Yes. And you can use those forever. You own that piece of content that you can use again and again and again. Videos, you can splice them up. I can take this podcast and splice this up into a hundred different little video clips that we can use throughout social media on anything we've talked about sales, building community, doing all this stuff from one piece of content that you're working with here. So think about that too, is that when you are getting referrals, reviews, things like that, you're building content to further explain to people what your business is about. So 100%. that's just, they build on top of each other. And it's so cool to be able to really get people to think about that. That's why these little masterminds and these communities are so cool is because you can give that little feedback to somebody that they might think, oh, I just recorded a podcast. And I'm like, Did you, do you know how much stuff you have out of one hour of a podcast? Like you get three podcasts, you would have content for an entire year to do stuff with if you're talking about business things. So just really using what you have available there and continue to promote stuff because the more personal it is, the more people will be like, oh, they're real people. I want to buy from them. Exactly. And in the corporate world, I was in the B2B space. So I was selling business to business. And I always um, told people that I, I wasn't in the B2B space, but I was in the P2P space. I was in the person to person space. And because mm -hmm. like we said, it's people selling to people, people helping people. It's a, it's a people business. It's a relationship business. And if you can really think about that, that's really going to help you move forward um, with your sales. Yes. That's so good. Oh my gosh, this is so good. Um, this is like a little masterclass on or a um, mini mind as someone brought up today. I like that. <laughs> I'm like, I like that little thing. That's kind of cute. Um, on sales, on building community, how great those two intersect with each other, I think is an awesome way to really think about stuff. People coming into your community, yeah, it might be a sale if you've got a membership or something like that. Fantastic. That gives you energy. Money is just an energy form exchange. I really, truly believe that. That gives you energy to continue to keep being able to build amazing content, to be able to help 
build relationships between other women. And I just hope and pray that so many more women will continue to decide to build a community because nobody is meant to do life or business alone. And we want to be able to share with what we've learned with other people that may be coming up in the business world. And I can't thank you enough for this conversation today and how you were able to help us navigate through all of that stuff. So thank you so much. So if someone is looking for Megan or self-start her, where is the best place to connect with you? Well, first of all, Tanya, thank you so much for having me. I've had such a fun conversation today talking all things community and sales. So it gets me like all pumped up and giddy inside. Um, but as far as if you want to to find me, um, all the places I am on, um, my website is just selfstarter.com and selfstarter is S-E-L-F-S-T-A-R-T-H-E-R. So we're adding a little bit of a female element into the starter word there. And then I'm most active on Instagram. So it's selfstart.her. And then um, on LinkedIn as well. So um, because I come from the corporate world, I hang out with a lot of the corporate folks still and entrepreneurs on that platform as well. So those are really the, the three areas that you can you can find me these days. And then also my podcast. Can't forget that. The Self-Starter Podcast. So available everywhere we listen. <laughs> I was going to say, we can't forget the podcast. We can't forget the podcast. So one last question that I always ask everybody that's on this podcast, because I love to hear the way that people resonate with the title of this show. So I want you to think, Megan, if you were writing a chapter in a book and it was called Ladies Kicking Ass, what would the vibe of your chapter be? And what does the phrase Ladies Kicking Ass make you think about? Oh gosh. So Ladies Kicking Ass means it's really just taking control of your life. And and so like I said earlier, it's like not letting life happen to you, but like making sure that you are you're in the driver's seat here. So you are taking control. You are doing whatever the heck that is that lights you up. And you are just completely enamored with everything that you're doing. So I think that is kind of what ladies kicking ass means to me. And then as far as my chapter would be concerned, I would say it would be all about just taking messy action, just getting started. Um, Because I think that's where a lot of women um, don't really start kicking ass is because they're so afraid of just the big picture and perfectionism. And I think it's really important for us to like ditch all of that. Just figure out one little thing that you can do to get started. Even if it's messy, I mean, I, I'm i definitely not perfect over here. I actually don't think perfect exists. I'm messy all day, yep. every day. But messy is what leads to, to growth. And I, I would say that that would be my chapter. Awesome. I'm so excited. That is a book I would read. So, or a chapter, I guess I should say. So (laughs) that step one is the most important step that you're ever going to take. And people are so concerned about what step 500 is that they forget that there's a step one. Once you do step one, you'll get to step 500 in no time. That first big step is always the hardest one. So just getting started is a big thing and do it messy because that's how you learn stuff. And then join a community like self-starter or ladies kick it ass. And there's Mm -hmm. a lot of ladies in there that can help you get there faster. Definitely. Well, I, that's a book I would read too. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yay. Maybe there will be one coming out like that. (laughs) Thank you so much, Megan. Thank you, Tanya. Thanks for being part of the Ladies Kickin' Ass community. Cheers to all you badass women out there. Keep rocking your power, igniting your fire, and making waves in the service industry. 
If you loved today's episode, please do me a quick favor. Take a screenshot, post it, and tag us at Ladies Kickin' Ass. Be sure to include the link to your favorite episode. Your support in spreading the word means the world to us as we aim to empower even more women. Hit that subscribe button to stay tuned for more kick-ass episodes. And don't forget, a five-star review is the ultimate high five. Connect with us on social media. All the links are in the show notes. Thank you for being part of our tribe. Now go kick some serious ass, lady.